Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash, and this is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today, we're talking about something that we touched on earlier in the week, and my guest this weekend is Mr. George Ross. George was an executive vice president in the Trump Organization for many years and worked as Donald's right-hand man for close to 37 years. Currently retired, 91 years of age, one of the wisest men I know, and I'm just super fortunate to spend time with him every month where we talk about all kinds of things relating to both business, real estate, philanthropy, life. wanted to share a part of my conversation with George with you, the listeners, on today's episode. So enjoy this conversation with George Ross. Good evening, George. Good evening, Victor. Let's jump right in. Go ahead. Thanks. It's my pleasure being here. Early this week, we were talking on the podcast about a situation in the Seattle market and wanted to get your thoughts on it. We saw some alarming data where they've got 30,000 new vacant apartments and another 30,000 in the permit pipeline. And last year, they only absorbed about 7,000 units. And vacancy rates are running 25% in the downtown core. We're seeing similar things in Brooklyn, not to the same extent. You know, about another 13,000 new units have hit the market a lot of leasing incentives. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we've got you know folks like Fannie Mae and HUD saying there's a shortage of housing, in particular for starter homes. And we're at a 60-year low in terms of new home construction. You know, They're saying if you look at demographics, we're about 300,000 units short of demand over the next couple of years. So as, as real estate investors, prices are incredibly high today. How do you make sense of this conflicting picture? And how do we make well, sense that, of that? Well, that's conflicting picture. I have to draw an issue is you can't talk of real estate in generalities. It doesn't work. In other words, you can't take the the United States as an entire group and say, well, housing is down. That doesn't work that way that, uh, because the, the model is flawed. In some places, it's down. In some places, it's up. Real estate and the demand is something that is specific to the area that it's in. Correct. You have to, any, any investor basically would have to look at, say, an investment where? And what what type of investment in what type of a location? For example, you're, you're saying that housing in, Bro- in Brooklyn, Brooklyn is not down. You may have to you may have to give a one or two months concession in order to get the tenants. But meanwhile, there are still tenants to be had. There's not an overglut of apartments uh, in in the New York in the New York area, certainly in the outer boroughs. However, having said that, Seattle is a different animal completely. Right. Seattle, I agree with you, basically, is, is, a, is an area which is where construction outpaced demand, and it's going to be a long time catching up. So if somebody's thinking of building now uh, at this, well, yeah, if you're building and you're going to, it's going to come out in three years, maybe uh, the market will have absorbed at that time. But if, if it's not, if it's a shorter period of time, you still have a problem because Seattle basically is overbuilt, even though it's a thriving community, which is going up. But it overbuilt, very similar to Miami. Right. Back Miami in overbuilt tremendously in a certain period where they had, one time they had 30,000 vacant units. 30,000 vacant units. And whoever was in building, if they couldn't, uh, couldn't uh, hold it for a long period of time, they, they lost a lot of money. Eventually, the market straightened out, and now the apartments, are, the units are being swallowed up. But it's not the type of investment that you would say, well, let's go into now. So you have to look at a specific specific city, what's going on, specific areas of specific city, and a specific type of real estate that you're planning on doing. Are we talking about one-family houses? Are we talking about four-family 
four, uh, four multi-houses, short ones? Are we talking about high-rises? Are we talking about uh, the areas? What is the demographics of the area, uh, the, the average income of the employees in the area? All of this has to be taken into account in, before you're going to make a, what, uh, an investment. But you can't draw generalities. It doesn't work. You can't say that, uh, that there, there we're short 400,000 units. You may be short 400,000 units over the United States, but that does where, where? How is it taken into account? Where are the 400,000 units? You can't take the number of people that need housing and say, okay, fill it up because it depends on where they are and, and what, they, what they can afford. So you got to stay away from generalities, from market generalities, and you get somebody says the average, like they say the, the average mean price of a, a real estate, one family house is $600,000. What, what do you mean? We mean house where? In what location? And what, 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 where did you get the infom from? Is it, what, what's the size of the sample in which somebody made this decision? So I, I, I'm not a, a firm believer in a lot of statistics which come out from uh, various agencies, and I don't basically uh, hold a lot of stock to it because I think it's, it's generally flawed. However, having said that, there are specific advantages in, of making intelligent decisions in markets where the market is would warrant that type of construction, and I think you think you're right in pointing out in Seattle that that's not the time now for the type of construction. So you stay away from Seattle, but uh, you know that's not the only city in the United States that uh, that basically we're building still makes good ideas. You'd have to uh, you know take take into account where you want to build, what you want to build, but don't have a general look like that and say the market is bad. What, what do you mean the market is bad? There is no such thing as the market. A specific commodity or housing or development in a specific area, in a specific city, and maybe on specific blocks could be a problem. But that's as said, there were four specifics, which I said they're not generals. Yeah, so absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in, in that type of an environment, uh, in your experience, I, I know you've seen a few market cycles here. Uh, have you seen lenders put their foot on the brakes, even though there may be isolated pockets that are overbuilt? And Of course, of course, because they, they, they fall to the same trap that the average uh, investor looks at. See, what, what, what's the community saying? What's the market saying? And when you see all kinds of statistics, the market is down. There are 30,000 vacant units and what have you. Certainly the lenders are, uh, are aware of that too, but they, they, they don't look at it in detail because they're not builders. Right. So they're not going into a particular area, but they would say, "Our right, downtown is bad." So I would say, "Okay, you say fine." Seattle is uh, bad for certain housing units. So and the lenders are aware of it. That's true. You may have greater problem in raising money in the type of a market where where the general consensus is that uh, the market is overbuilt and or uh, the economy is bad. All all of those things enter into it and influence uh, the the lenders and their their decisions. So that but. You know, hey, that's the nature of the real estate market. That's the, that's the business. If someone goes into a down market and they have the money to stay with the property, so they're buying it cheap, but they don't spend to, to bring it out for a period of years, they're going to land bank it for a period of years. Yes, that can, can work out good because the market will probably change. When it'll change, nobody knows. But it's a downtime. Everybody's looking to sell and somebody looking to buy and they can sit with it. That doesn't mean you go to construct right away. So if you're saying Seattle and somebody was buying some some bait, some land at a cheap price with some type of a use, maybe a parking lot or something in the interim, 
and they're planning on building uh, with a, with coming out with something starting in three years or five years to, to come onto the market. You know, that's, that could be very intelligent. If you were sitting on cash today and you were looking to invest, um, and I know that you're not, but if you were, would you be looking actively for deals in today's market or would you just be sitting on cash? Sure. Waiting? Okay. Sure. Absolutely. I would always be looking for deals in the, in the, in the, in the marketplace, provided you can carry the cost of the land in the interim period. So you're basically, you're land banking for a better market time. But all things being considered with, with, with taking into account that the economy, certainly in the United States, it seems to be growing and uh, uh, more demand that, that with, with people having more money and more interest uh, in it. You know, if you take that and you say, all right, let's, let's extrapolate that and go for go out for a couple of years, two or three years, and you see that the, that, that the trend continued, you know, then, then you made a smart decision. And if the trend doesn't continue, it gets worse, then you just say, okay, well, I mean, while I've land banked for a period of time. But it, the cost of vacant land, carrying vacant land is cheap. It's cheaper in reference to what you have when you build it and you have no customers. Right, once right. You, once you go into the ground and you start to build, you got the mortgage. It's a whole different ball game than just carrying a piece of land with with minimal income and uh, only taxes to pay. So you'd obviously want the land to be equity funded in that scenario. Yeah, yeah, be equity funded, or you can have some loans, but it's it's minimal loans. Yeah, minimal carrying costs. Yeah, minimal carrying costs, and they they figure a piece of land. So you buy a piece of land for five hundred thousand dollars. And you end up with a mortgage of uh, maybe three hundred thousand. Uh, so the length of the 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 value to the to land prices is, is reasonable. Banks will still go for that, but it's raw land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a different that's a different animal than than uh, deciding I'm going to buy that land and I'm going to build and this is what it what, what it is. So the the question of what do you want to do short term as against something that you're planning on doing long term. So if the short term, it probably it could make a lot of sense. In the long term, in a down market, no, that's hazardous. doesn't mean it doesn't work. It's just hazardous. Right, right. Well, I love the perspective. Thank you, George. You're welcome. I love that conversation with George. You know, he's so clear. His message is so simple. Ignore the market averages. Focus on the specific market situations. And even in a down market, don't stop looking for deals. The opportunities are there. Wise words indeed, and that's why I love talking to George every month. As you're thinking about that, have an awesome rest of your weekend, make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.